Yes, sir. Welcome back to another Travel Dive podcast. I'm your host, Marley Ball, in here with the fellas, man. AJ and Dre is checking in. Uh, who is that? I saw in the comments right there. Magic City on time, man. What to do, Magic? Look, I, I know why. I know. I, well, I appreciate you being on time, as always, and everybody that's tapping in when the show starts. But you know, we know, we know, we we we, we want the Howard report today. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure we want the Howard report today. So we're going. We're going to get to that, man. We got Grant Paulson checking in soon. Um, we're going to talk to him about how we got some other things to talk about. Chase checked in uh, with San Fran, and uh, lucky enough, we got Grant on who. The last words that we heard from his camp came from his father. <laughs> so um, so it'll be interesting on his show, excuse me. Um, so it'll be interesting to like figure out what we got going on with uh and Grant's uh minds when it comes to the, the commanders in, in the, the last couple of weeks there was. So uh fellas, Dre AJ, how y'all feeling today? Here, bro. I'm happy to be here. You know, I missed the post-game show on Sunday, so you know, I'm happy to be here to chop it up with y'all today. And shout out to Punk Ass Magic, man. I see he is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I can't wait. I can't wait to end that bet, bro. He better, he better, he better post that Abby. Telling you. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna be on his ass. <laughs> uh, AJ, what's going on with you, big dog? Cooling, man. It's just uh telling, you know. Um excited to talk some Sam Howe, especially with Grant. Uh I think from what I've picked up from him, um, he he's more statistical type of guy. So, you know, uh, curious to see how, how that conversation goes when we, you know, dissect the, the different elements of Sam Howell. A- AJ trying to recruit. AJ said, I need somebody to tell me Sam Howell ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't need nobody to tell me that like, and, and that's the thing like i don't think sam Howe's shit but like i just feel like from the fan base it, it's a bit of ptsd man like I, I i i join those spaces here and there right and i engage at times just to you in just, there today just to get people's like mindsets or or thought process how even some people see the game of, of football. Like a lot of us can be fans of the sport, but you know, a lot of people see the game differently than others. And from, from what I picked up from the space world over the last 24, 48 hours, they think Sam Howe's a franchise quarterback. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is about. And even last night there was an argument. Someone was telling me that there is, elite quarterbacks and then there's franchise quarterbacks which i completely disagree with it's like you're a franchise quarterback you are deemed to be elite for your team and amongst the league 
I disagree. I'm th- I'm thinking because I so well, Dre, because I, I know you you missed Sunday, so I want to make sure that we we get your whole take on everything. And uh, but I I'll give you the floor with this one too, because I was like, I'm I'm thinking, bro. Like I, I feel like it can it can be a little bit nuanced, but I feel like I also may be getting too technical. But Dre, what you disagree with? No, I mean, I actually disagree with AJ, how he views it in a sense, because I was actually just thinking about this right before he brought the topic up. There are franchise quarterbacks and there are elite guys, because think about it. Guys like Derek Carr were considered franchise quarterbacks in Oakland and Las Vegas, but he was never an elite quarterback. So that's what we got to kind of decipher with Sam. And we still don't know. There's still that question mark. Like, I think Sam has shown that he's started in this NFL league. I mean, no doubt he can start for teams in his league. But the question is, how good of a starter is Sam? Is Sam going to be, is he going to inch his way into the top 12 echelon of quarterbacks? Or is he going to be somewhere in that Derek Carr tier, you know, that 12 to 16 range? And the 12 to 16 range, I don't think that's good enough to consistently win you, you know, playoff games or get you to that promised land. So that's what we have to figure out with Sam that we do not know yet. Well, I think for me, it's like, I have I have a category of you're either an elite quarterback, your average quarterback, or you're below average quarterback. So I don't three really, tiers, bro. Wow, that's yeah, like not, no good, like good and elite. I mean, if, <laughs> if, 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 if we look around the league right now, right? A I have a lot to you though. AJ's consistent because this is exactly what he did with the conversation with Charles Leno, and I tried to tell y'all that he wasn't he wasn't like an elite guy. But he wasn't he wasn't like below average. And and he he literally said, Well, what the hell? <laughs> he was like, Well, what the hell does above average look like for left tackle? So I would say one thing AJ is actually consistent, not even on the quarterback. He this is this sounds just like the shit that he said about left tackle. I mean, yeah, because for, for me, it's like when when you say franchise quarterback, like I don't even know. Like that, that just sounds so weird to me. It's like any team that decides to rock with this quarterback in a sense could be identified as a franchise quarterback. You know, Dre just mentioned the Derek Carr. Derek Carr has consistently showed you who he is, good and bad, right? That doesn't mean that he's the guy that you necessarily want to lead your franchise. He showed you that he's an average quarterback in this league. So for me, it's like, there's either a tier of elite quarterbacks, average quarterbacks, or below average quarterbacks. Zach Wilson is a below average quarterback. CJ Stroud, he's not, he's not elite yet, but he's shown he's shown that he has the traits to get there. They continue to surround him with he ain't elite. proper play call. So right now, so right now he's average. So he's, he's average. average. He's average right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's average right now. He has he has the potential to either trend upwards or downwards so it's just like it's just like if someone told me daniel jones is a franchise quarterback no he's not like <laughs> but they pay him like he's a like he's a league quarterback he's, so he's never that's, shown that's it's just like if we look around the league right now it is a lot of teams that suck it is a lot of teams that suck and that's because they don't have a quarterback they have not been able to identify who is going to lead their franchise for the next 10 years and be elite. That That's just how I look at it. But, and that's where it's like when it comes to the Sam Howell conversation, 
Washington hasn't seen a quarterback throw for over 30 touchdowns, what, probably since the 70s? Like we we spoke on this before. So it might look it might look a little cool <laughs> to them right now, but like when you really break down the the quarterback overall and the po- uh, prospects that are going to be available via the draft, it's like there's some people that look better and, and have more that they bring to the table where you still have to consider your options at that position. Um if we're just speaking uh, it being what what is it, week eight of the season? Week ten. Week ten. Okay, yeah, week ten of the season. I mean, you still gotta let it play out, but that that's just where I'm I'm at with it. It's like I've never said once on here that Sam Howell is ass. I've never once said that. I just don't rock with people jumping to the early conclusion. But you said he won. You said he won. You said he won good. You said he was the same. You said he was the same <laughs> said, dude that he was he was in North Carolina. I still believe he was a one same, read, one read. I believe down. he's the same quarterback from North Carolina, and but that's even, not true though. Even more of a reason why Washington should have started him last year. That's but that's not even like I think. All right, so let me go back, man. Um, I know franchise, I kinda, the like, franchise, the, the franchise, the beginning of the show because I don't know what direction is going before Grant uh, gets on here, but the, the franchise and and whole elite quarterback situation bro like it's honestly bro i ain't gonna lie to you aj it's impossible to even like even like leave us in three categories elite average or 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 below average like it's it's impossible bro because there's people there's people in the world like uh let me go through the list you got jared golf right jared golf is an elite but he's very good for detroit he revived his and he was very good for for the rams at one point he got him to a super bowl um Detroit is six and two right now without Aaron Rodgers in that division now so I mean that type of time happens like you know the the, the rain is over for Aaron Rodgers so now it's a new team to take over guess what Jared Goff is in there and Detroit is doing their thing from a whole team perspective and, and Jared Goff is leading that offense just like he did in the early stages of the career with him and uh Sean McVay you look at Philadelphia Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts has got a couple year uh a few years extension with with Philadelphia this offseason like his time is now and he'll get you at least, let's say he started, what, two years ago? He'll get you at least five years, uh, at, at least five years of, of decent football, very good football play. We don't know what's – we can't talk about what's beyond that, but that's that looks like franchise quarterback potential. Same thing with Jared Goff. You could be a franchise quarterback in, or, or look like a franchise quarterback in two different situations. Same thing with Kirk Cousins before he got hurt. Again, does that mean that they were elite? That don't mean that they're elite. Jalen Hurts might be elite. I, I I can't. I mean, he's he's a dog with dual threat. Like, dog can't even deny it. But elite is a is that's a very good conversation. He's top ten. But elite, I would look at a person that's like top five. Um, you keep going, Lamar Jackson, bro. Same thing. Patrick Mahomes, we know he's elite, unquestioned. Lamar Jackson, I would I would say I would put him top five. So I would guess I would consider him elite. Um, you look at Jacksonville, bro. Like, I think there's so many different tiers of what franchise quarterback looks like, bro. But every franchise quarterback, like you mentioned, because y'all know I say this on this show and I say this on the R32 side, Derek Carr is ass. But guess what? The Raiders, the Raiders that gave that man so much money, gave that man, invested so much, so many years into that man because they knew if they got rid of him, it was going to be hell all over again. They didn't, they could have took the risk and they could have gotten lucky, right? They could have moved on. But at the same time, if they just built around uh, 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 Derek Carr, 
because we knew they never had a defense. We knew that they needed help with the with the weapons. Now they did get some weapons, but unfortunately, a couple of them got arrested and kicked off the team. <laughs> so and then so like you you kind of know like how everything is, and then you got two you got terrible head coaches or. You got one terrible head coach, then John Gruden did his thing. So we kind of know how that went, right? So all I'm saying, bro, like, it's so much nuance to, like, there's there's franchise quarterbacks out there that – I didn't even mention Justin Herbert. Like, Justin Herbert is looking like a franchise quarterback, but does that mean he's elite? That's to be determined. He has issues in, in, in big-time situations where, like, we, we figure out where he went. Like, he freezes. So, like, I, I think that's kind of where you think about the tiers, bro. Um, very good, elite uh mediocre or average below average terrible and and we can all say like uh where taylor heineke is right he started a couple games for you but he he's a category of a person who's below average and and that exists in the nfl bro but they can still win um they can win from time to time so that's kind of where i'm at bro like it's it's so different and when you look at sam Howe's situation in washington bro like and kind of circling this whole thing at least for me like my thing is bro like you closing the closing the book on somebody, Brad. Ten years, ten years, ten games into his eleven year, eleven games into his career, and saying that, um, you know, there's better in the NFL. I mean, there's better in the draft class. Uh, he's the same quarterback from from North Carolina when he has shown progressional steps throughout the weeks, and in certain situations, the last two weeks where you gave him time, and he was able to even like whatever coaching points that they were doing. Because you're seeing it on tape, like he's staying in the pocket, being more comfortable, being more decisive, using his legs to buy time. Like all these things where like you're asking him to help his offensive line out and the offensive line to help him out. And then Eric B enemy to help him out. That whole thing has showed itself over these last two weeks. People are going to say, well, they just played the Patriots this week. Last week, they played the fucking Eagles, bro. And, and the Eagles sacked Dak Prescott five times. He got sacked three times against uh, against the Eagles, and I think two of them came in the second half. If I'm not, no, I'm sorry. He gave up. They gave up one sack against the uh, against the Eagles, and that sack came in the fourth quarter. So, like, that's where I think, like, when we talk about this whole situation with Sam, bro, and and just franchise quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks, et cetera, in general, it doesn't all come at the same time in terms of like their development. It doesn't all show itself at the same time. But what it will do is you need to figure out when. What I mean, what you need to invest in this guy and how you need to coach this guy. And let's see what his uh what his ceiling looks like. And I think that's what we're in the progress process of doing. Y'all know I'm not claiming anything. Y'all, we know that point. Like I've never, I've never said, and I, I still won't say anything until the end of the season. So like y'all know where I stand with Sam. I'm still in the wait and see mode. Uh, but to say that he ain't growing, bro, or that he's the same person from 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 North Carolina, bro. I, I can't can't rock with that, AJ. Can't do it, bro. Hey, I mean, from from my analysis, like the the flaws in his game is is still there. Like that that's that's just how I view, it. and that's what I said to begin the conversation. Like we all love the sport, we all watch it and, and take it a different way. Um, yeah, some people might see some growth, whatever, but I think that's all dependent on who you're going against too, and, and their defensive approach and and how they plan on game planning against them. But just like the nuances that are within his control, the issues, the issues or the flaws that I've seen coming out of college still exist within the league. Whether it's 10 games in, it could be 30 games in. Like if, if you still have those issues within yourself and what you can control, 
then, you know, like some team or someone or some organization or GM, whatever, could be okay with that. It, but it's, it's in my discretion, I wouldn't be okay with those things. I just feel like, especially with the talent pool out there, there's, there's better that can come in and already have those things sharpened in their toolbox. They're not going to be a perfect prospect or, or player overall. That's just how that's just how I view it. Like when I'm looking at footwork issues and it's not improving, it's like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Am I just gonna let this continue to rock? Or do I also still have the option because this person is on a rookie contract, I can move on, I can potentially bring in talent to even compete with this individual. Like how we even mentioned Jared Goff. Uh I, I think from what you were saying, he's a franchise quarterback, right? Yeah. So if, if Jared Goff is a franchise quarterback and the Lions truly believe in him all the way, they don't use a third round pick on the Hendon Hooker. Like you you you, well, who's you, their see, backup, though? you see that you see that there's certain limitations within Jared Goff's game that you'll never be able to get out of him. For example, Jared Goff will never be a dual threat type of quarterback. Jared Goff is kind of one of the last like pure pocket quarterbacks really remaining and starting in this league. I mean, he can he can maybe get six, seven yards if you need him to, but you also see that the league is trending to wanting that threat of having a guy that can run the RPO system and, and be able to create on the fly. That is why Detroit Lions goes and takes a, a handed hooker in the third round, even with an injury of an ACL, because they potentially see down the line, whether that be a year or two from now, we might need to explore this quarterback position further. And we got a guy that we can sit here and kind of groom while we still have Jared Goff that's playing average enough quarterback <laughs> to where we don't have to commit, you know, the 40 millions, the 45 millions plus to, and, and still be able to be a sustainable team. That's, that's just how I look at it. So I brought it up more so to hear y'all perspective. I ain't bring it up in the chat, anything, but just to, hear y'all perspective on the tiers of how quarterbacks are viewed. And in my eyes, I see elite, average, below average. So I'm just curious to see how you guys have your tiers set up when it comes to quarterbacks. Well, for me, I mean, I kind of go back to the point I was bringing up earlier about, you know, you. I mean, there's elite. Now, I think there's an elite franchise quarterback, which is there's probably there's a handful. There's probably like four or five of those guys in the league. Then you have the guys that may be trending that, that way or you, you still can't kind of put them in that top five, but they're in that top ten. You know, these are guys who, you know, they're they're bordering that superstar level if they're not there yet. Then for me, there's the guys like they're franchise guys, but we can't really call them a star, but they can keep you above water. And if you build around the right way, you could possibly go to a Super Bowl. Now, these are the guys I think of like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, the Jared Goff says Maul mentioned those, those are those guys, those are somewhere between that, probably maybe 11. Yeah, you ain't gonna 16. win because of those guys, but you can win, yeah, with them. exactly. Like, you, you know, if you build the right way, you know, you're going to be able to win games and possibly get to a Super Bowl, but you're still going to probably look for an upgrade at some point, you know, as you mentioned, Hinda Hooker, like Hinda Hooker is not an immediate replacement for Jared Goff, you know, he's something that you know, hey, 
we got Jared Goff here. We can work this guy out. Maybe he could possibly get in there. So you have that tier. And then I think there's the stopgap bridge quarterback. You know, those are, you know, the guys that's probably somewhere in that 17 to 23 range or whatever. And then there's your average to below average, I think. <laughs> you know, those are the rest of the league or whatever they are, you know. So I think you got to kind of – <laughs> I think you got to have that little – you know, those little breakdowns of those tiers, you know, for me – but I don't know um, where Sam is at right now. Again, I mean, it's way too early. And as I told a couple of people, some people are like, well, how are you not sure about him yet? Like, I mean, he he just he's leading the league in passing yards. He's doing this. I'm like, look, let me get a whole raw season to kind of say where I met with Sam. Like, and I think that's fair. I don't think that's unreasonable to say you want to see a season before we kind of declare where this guy is. Right now, and I do think Sam is somewhere in that, or at least his ceiling is somewhere in that 12 to 16 range. Now, I don't think that's definitive. I don't think I'm not closing a book on his ceiling. I mean, he could probably get up maybe even more. But right now, and I do see he could probably be in that 12 to 16 range. I don't know if he's ever going to consistently keep you in playoff hunts or playoff wins or possibly get you to a Super Bowl. But I do think, you know, he's good enough where you can get you can have a chance at some point. Like I said, I don't know if you could do it every year or whatever, but I do think he gives you a chance in some sense, or at least with his ceiling. You know, but again, I want to wait until the end of the season so I can look at everything Sam is doing before I can fully evaluate or call Sam what I maybe think he is. Because right now it's just way too early to just call any Sam anything. You know, I mean we we matter of fact these last two games, these are the first string of games we've seen where he's played good right, for a string I'm of games. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, no, I'm agreeing. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't understand. Like people, that's so. I, I want you to finish your point because we, yeah. we do got to guess. I, I want right. I want you to get your point on. We could we could finish the conversation. With yeah, it. I mean, no, just to wrap it up. That's that. This we literally just seen his first string of two good games put together. And again, last week I said this is the point in time where you want to start seeing that consistency. So good. We've seen it once at least. Now we got to see if he can kind of keep it going. I mean, the schedule doesn't get any easier. So, I mean, if he can be consistent with some of these tough teams you have coming up, you can feel good with Sam going into next year. You'll feel good that the next regime will be okay claiming Sam, you know. But right now it's still too early and it's not, nothing definitive about Sam. All right, um, as we said, man, the good man Grant Parson was going to check in, so let's go ahead and get Grant. As we all know, or if you don't know, uh, 1067 the fan Grant Parson, um, every weekday, man, him and it, him and his man, uh, Danny, uh, they, they do their thing on, on the radio. Let me go ahead and take these off. Oh, there we go, and get this going, and boom, there we go, Grant. What's going on with you, big dog? Appreciate you checking in. How you feeling? What's up, fellas? How are you guys? I'm good. How's everybody? Hey. What's going on? Right? Right. We, we can't complain too much. I, I I send you backstage for a minute. I don't think the fellas knew, but um, I knew you was there long enough to hear the conversation uh with with Sam Howell and just just even understanding like what an elite quarterback looks like or a franchise quarterback looks like. Um, I guess we'll start there and and kind of maneuver how we see fit. Uh, how do you ten ten games this season? Obviously, eleven games total. Um, the ups and downs is what it is but you've seen some some very good from sam and then you've seen some 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 problematic issues uh how do you navigate that from yourself grant uh and, and where do you think it's taking or sam's trajectory is taking you in, in terms of like seeing if he's like that franchise quarterback potential here for washington yeah i mean i i agreed with a lot of pretty much everything i was hearing 
my fellow Hoyas fan, Dre say over there. Yes, um, <laughs> happy Ed Cooley season, by the way, tonight. Hey, I, I got it on DVR. I'll be watching after the hey, show. <laughs> you both. My wife's waiting. We're going to go watch it when we're done. But um, no, so like I, I agree with you largely. I mean, I, I think people are like really want this to, to be right. I mean, you could just tell that. And I get it. We've been searching in this town for the right guy for a long time. If you stumble into it in round five, for a lot of reasons, most notably that it doesn't cost a lot of money, that the search is over. He's a really likable guy. He says all the right things at the podium. He's young and developing. He's athletic. He checks a lot of boxes. Like people want this to work and they want him to be the guy. And so <clears throat> I think they're they're seeing what they want to see sometimes. Um, having said that, I'm very optimistic. Uh, the last two weeks have been outstanding. I, I was really impressed with how he played in New England. Obviously, the pick was horrific. And, you know, I, I kind of view it a little differently than I think a lot of people. Whereas with young quarterbacks, for me, I'm I'm fine with bad. Like, people get really bothered by bad. I don't. I bake it in. I expect it. Like, that's the norm. I'm looking for flash moments. I'm looking for great. Like, even if it's in the minority, you want the the throws and the uh, the stuff that you say, okay, that's a trait. Like that's something that a lot of guys don't do. And I see a lot of it with Sam all the time. So I'm very optimistic and encouraged. I just think people that think already one way or the other, they've made up their mind. Like he's definitely the guy I think is crazy. I think that that's somewhat foolish. I think the other way, I would say the same thing though. If like if someone's saying definitively he can't be the guy, I think that's also pretty uh, nonsensical at this point. The only thing I'll say that I didn't, you guys may have got into before I was in the, the back room there was like for me personally him throwing the football it's legit like I, i'll put it in sharpie that guy every throw ball comes out he he's accurate he's got ball placement he's an athlete like all that stuff like i don't need to see anymore like, he, he can do some special things with his arm talent for me i care way more about the sack stuff than i think most of the fan base does and that's where i'm really still trepidatious and kind of thought thinking I'm not sure like I have to see more I, I love what I've seen the last couple of weeks with the sacks coming down but I think a lot of the sack problem which people just and you watch the film as much as anybody Maul, like you know this like a lot of people go oh the line's not very good and they just like no like this is a real problem that he had at North Carolina that he made life hard on the line that he's he, he has been a culprit for much of the season in that regard. I think the enemy probably got a little bit of a pass for a while on how, how many adjustments he wasn't making. And to that point, I think the last two weeks, like Eric, the enemy has been incredible. I love what he's done the last two games in terms of me feeling like he could maybe be a, a real star in his role as well. So I would say to sum it up, I'm very encouraged and optimistic. I definitely think there's a chance they have found their guy. I'm not ready to, to write it in pen and to, to scream it into a megaphone because to me, people view the sacks thing as like a, well, it'd be nice if he didn't get sacked that much. And I don't, I view the sacks part of his game as a detriment and a, it's a, it, it will cancel you out. It, it's a prerequisite. It's a necessity, right? It's a disqualifier. So I've got to see more of him being able to get the ball out and process. I still think there's some things like I'm sure you see when you watch the game this week, there's a couple times where pre-snap they got to get some things ironed out where, you know, someone comes free and gets him like all that stuff. He's got to clean up, but throwing the football, moving around as an athlete, extending plays like this dude's got game. Yeah. And I, and I'll, I'll jump in there, Grant. And I think uh, 
you saying that, you know, the sex is a bigger ordeal to you than probably to a lot of people within the fan base. And I think that's one of my main issues I have with Sam Howe. It's at, at the quarterback position, it's what are you doing pre-snap and what are you doing post-snap? And this, the high sack numbers shows you that whatever is supposed to be taking place pre and post-snap isn't processing for him as fast as it should. You don't have all day to, to, to throw back there. And the offensive line, yeah, it's not great, but they provided him enough pockets and windows to be able to complete passes and make opportunities happen or either get out of the pocket, escape, throw the ball away, you know, use some of his mobility that he has. And that's really a, a big time negative for me. So when people say, oh, he leads the league in, in passing yards, he also leads the league in sacks. <laughs> like, right. I guess what I really want to ask you is, does Washington as an organization and with all that has happened with new ownership and how this current roster is, is uh, assembled, do they have time to develop a Sam Howe who will be going into his third year, which is pretty much close for it, not even close. He's eligible essentially next year to be able to get a new contract. So that's a good point, right? Because you think about it, you, you got to do this early. I mean, we've been talking about this with QBs in this town for a long time, but his he's got a four-year deal. This is year two. So basically you'll have to know by this time next year, if you're locking this guy up or not. Um, I think they do have the time from this standpoint. Like to me, it's my belief that this ownership group is going to hire a GM and a head coach this off season, regardless of what happens. I think that they came in here and spent 6 billion and they want to kind of re assign things in their image. But yeah, I think that if he shows well enough, they're going to want to to go down this path. I mean, if he plays, I don't think it's linear. So it's not like he's going to play every game like he's played the Philly game, which he, he seems to play well against Philly, and then the New England game. But there's only really been a couple terrible games. There have been a handful that are mediocre or whatever, but there have been like two really bad games. If he plays at a really high level the rest of the way, then he'll be their guy going into next year. The only thing I'll say is, I think for a lot of people, they may not want to hear this. When you have a new GM and a new head coach, like even if the, the quarterback um, is, a, is a dude, sometimes they just want their own guy, right? So, and, and are we on a path where he will definitively, unequivocally, like be above replacement level that, that you just can't possibly move on? Like, no, settle down. This is not Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. So if their new GM just hypothetically comes in here with their new head coach, and they've got three picks in the top 45, and they want to package them and go get like they're in love with Drake May or something. I guess that's possible. I'm, I'm not ruling that out with a new GM. But I just think he has shown enough right now that the most valuable thing, you guys know this, in this sport that you can have is a quarterback that doesn't make a lot of money. And because of where he got drafted, not only does he have rookie contract, not a lot of money, like it's even more than that. Like he's got couch cushion pennies, right? So it's a gift if, if, if he's the guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I would continue down this path. Obviously, you play him the rest of the year. As of right now, I would plan on using those picks to add assets around him. Uh, offensive line help, clearly. I want more weapons. Like, I, I, I would always draft more weapons in this league. Um, burner receivers, fast running backs who can make plays in the open field. Like, you go get a tight end who's a weapon. I, I listened to a big um, hour-long, like uh, – 
um, presentation Eugene Shen did at a college, and he, he he thinks tight ends are like the most under appreciated, undervalued like position in football, which I love hearing from a new analytics guy coming in here. So like those are the types of things I would do and, and see where that gets you. But the, the whole goal has to be he he's got to prove at the end of the year by not taking sacks at a high rate that he is worthy of hanging around. I felt this way about Ron and everybody else. They're coming in here. They're going to want to make changes. It's like if you have a new boss coming in, they're going to want to do their thing. Your job is to make it hard for them to move on from you. And I think Sam is doing that right now, but he's got to continue to do that, in my opinion. But I agree with you, AJ, on on the the sack point in general, because I just think like the line was so beat up all offseason, and we all know it's not a strength. But on a binary, they've been good enough. Right. And I think like you, you point this out when you watch the film, I've, I've seen, but like there's plenty of weeks where people are like, oh, this line's awful. And you go back and you watch and you're like, a couple sacks might have been on them, but like this, this is not a line breakdown issue. So he's young, he's learning. The big question, and I'm sure you guys talk about this a lot, is can he solve this riddle? Because this is not like, um, you know, a part of a quarterback's game that traditionally changes a lot. If you look back, historically speaking, over a couple decades, the guys in college that struggle to process and get the ball out and avoid sacks struggle in the league. The beauty is that Biennemi is basically now the last two weeks got a game plan that makes it really hard for him to hold on to the ball. And it's where I give EB a lot of credit. I wish he would have done it earlier. But if there's adjustments made and defenses now make it hard to quit game and slant them and screen them to death, then what happens? And that's what I want to see next in the weeks ahead. And see, I actually want to ask you this, uh, Grant, to that point, because this is something I've been thinking about. With EB going to this quick game the last couple of weeks, which obviously has been beneficial for Sam, is this sustainable? At some point, are we going to have to see Sam do something different or you be able to you know, pass out of those right. longer concepts they have? Yeah. So I think it's like what is sustainable is is throwing the ball around the line of scrimmage, right? He leads the NFL with 210 passes right now, I think it is, uh, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Number two is Patrick Mahomes right behind him. Like throwing the ball short, people for a long time killed guys, you know. They'd say whether it's Cousins or Carr or anybody else. Like what's that? The Alex Smith stick. Alex Smith, (laughs) check down Charlie. Like it was such a pejorative. And you know who was the greatest check down king ever was Tom Brady. Like he loved, think about Kevin Falk. Uh, I'm trying to think of all his pass catching running backs over the years, like Danny Woodhead. I mean, this dude, his whole philosophy was don't go broke by taking a profit. That whole 28-3 comeback, it was like Julian Edelman, Gronk, and uh, was it James White? Who's the running back that caught like 15 balls? Like my point is, to me, that's what they need to do and they need to live in that. The, they've been doing it all year in the short passing game. What's different now is it's like two, three steps and he's out on the hitch, right? So I think what you're going to see is defenses schematically adjust where it's more bump and press on the outside. They're going to get some linebackers like in some of these passing zones, maybe even drop like defensive ends or something into some of those slant areas that, you know, where you've got these quick beaters. And, and so then what do you do? And, he's going to have to kind of hitch and now you got him holding the ball. Does he panic? What, so that's the next thing coming. It's like baseball. They figured out where your you know, where your strike zone, um, where you're good. They're going to start throwing you breaking balls and then him and EB got to go back to the drawing board. But I just, I love what they've done. Like as an, as a 
philosophy the last two weeks. I don't know what took so long to get here, but it's it's pretty to watch. And yeah, I, I think it's sustainable. I just think that there's they're going to have to do out of different looks. Maybe you move the pocket a little bit. You do more sprint outs. Like they're just going to have to stay one step ahead of teams. I think. Grant, do you do you love it enough to the point where if you own the Washington Commanders, that if Sam Howell is your guy that you want to build around and put more pieces uh, around him to succeed and reach a level that you think you can get to, to make Eric Bieniemy the head coach of this team? Three weeks ago, I would have said no. Right now, I am will I am open to that possibility. Believe it or not. Um, now, same thing I said to you about Sam. Like, I, I, there's so many things I need to see between now and the end of the year to feel like Sam might be the guy. But, like, as of, I'm trying, you know, I hate to put so much on the last two weeks, but like coming out of the Giants game, right? Where I just thought, I don't know what you guys thought about that game, but I thought Wink Martindale just like ate the enemy's lunch, right? Yeah. I came out of that game and I thought, all right. I really wanted this EB thing to be like, we found the next great play caller type. I I wasn't over him. I wasn't done, but I was like, I don't think he's special. I don't think he's, he's like the next great guy in the league. I love so many of his philosophies. People that listen to the show know I am ride or die for throwing on first and 10. I'm ride or die for throwing on second and 10. I think running on second and 10 is a dead down. It's stupid. Like he does so many things that I think are smart. He does so many things that are the way the league should operate. The way he's handled Sam, which he got killed for much of the year, still gets killed for, I think is brilliant, which is like the sink or swim philosophy of throw him into the deep end, throw it a ton. Like that's how you develop quarterbacks. I really believe that. So I, I'm kind of in lockstep with EB on a lot of things. I'll never be upset with his run pass balance almost ever. <laughs> like me and him are in a good it spot. It took an adjustment though. Like I, I was trying to I tell agree. people for a while. I was like, look, man, we got used to Scott Turner and, and Ron taking over a, <laughs> yeah. a, a OC saying, look, man, I don't care what you got going on. I need you to run it 50 times today right. and 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 ask me if we should pass it on third and four. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. Right. And and to that point, like I do think that. Uh, there, there, like, am I? I'd be lying if I said like a couple times here, or there, early in the season, the run pass balance wasn't a little even at for my liking out of whack. But I, I'm fine. Like I, I, in this league, I don't know if you can throw it enough in the short passing game. That is your running game. Like I'm cool with it. It's not like you're chucking it. What I had a problem with was how they were throwing it. the drop back game, asking your line to hold up and pass these teet games off. And it was it was awful. I just couldn't believe they just kept banging their head against the wall. So I say all that to say a few weeks ago, I was low. I was down on him right now. The arrow is soaring for me on, on Bienemy because it seems like they're figuring something out. It's their first season together. We're halfway through it. It seems like they got a good thing going. Now I would, uh, there's almost nothing he could do that would lead to me naming him the head coach. Like when the season ended after I fired Ron, I would want to talk to all of the best available. Like, I want to go talk to, I think the guy's name is like Frank Smith, but the offensive coordinator under Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, who's just been in that room all year where they're doing all that crazy crap. I want to bring him in here and talk to him. I want to, Ben Johnson, it was like, has been my number one candidate for two years. Um, talking to a lot of people around the league, like, they think that that scheme is just incredible. I mean, with all due respect, look at Jared Goff. Like, give me a break. Like, they're doing some, <laughs> they're doing some really good stuff. 
So like, I would want to talk to him. Uh, Notice, by the way, I wouldn't interview a single defensive coordinator. Like, call me a jerk if yeah. you want to, but I'm not playing <laughs> that game. But it's all OCs. It's all guys I compare with Hal or with a young quarterback. And EB is 100% now working his way for me into a viable candidate category. I really believe that. Let me ask you, um, so Grant, you mentioned you mentioned Ron, um, but you also mentioned what you would do in the draft in a sense of like a, accumulating talent surrounding Sam. Um, from an overall perspective, I, I think one one thing to take away from what you said is, and that I agree with, um, they need help at offensive line. They need help at tight end. Um, we know what Logan is becoming and, and they're barely even playing Cole Turner these days. Um, Bowers. you got, yeah, Hey, you got Brock in the, <laughs> you got Brock waiting the wings, but look, you got Kurt. I mean, Curtis Samuel, who's on a, who's a free agent at the end of this year, but then mm-hmm. you got Terry and Jahan and then Antonio Gibson's also at the end of his contract. Right. Uh, and then even on the defensive side of the football, you got all your defensive ends that wasn't traded. <laughs> they're free agents. At the yeah. end of this year, uh, you got a question mark right now. I'm a fan of, or I'm I'm a fan of what Jamin Davis is becoming. I don't think he's anywhere yet, but I'm still a fan of him. Um, but then you got question marks on the second level and the third level as well. Emmanuel Forbes had a really good game against the Patriots, who had Juju Smith-Schuster as their starting wide receiver, um, respectively. The talent gap on this team, how big do you think it is, comparatively speaking? to some of the upper echelon teams you don't have to directly compare it to a team yeah. but just seeing where they are um given ron had four years <laughs> to build this team up in his image or what he wanted and and where we are now what, what's your opinion on the, the talent on this yeah team? i mean it, it's insane when you think about four years into a build like where they are i, I said this all the time before they made this trade of sweat and young last week but I think you can make the case that their top four, say four of their top five players, were here when Ron got here, still today, before that trade. So yeah, that would yeah. have been like Sweat, Payne, Allen, and um, Terry. Terry. And Terry's yeah. the other one. I mean, all the, he inherited those guys. Like, So who's, who's in the top five, right? You could maybe say Cam Curl. Hell of a pick. They drafted him in the seventh round. That's a win. You could maybe say uh, Chase. Uh, who they drafted number two overall, and, and technically Kendall Kendall came back, but Kendall yeah, was a, Kendall was before Kendall was before Ron. This is true. I guess they get credit because they signed him the second time. Hey, hold on, yeah. they don't get credit. <laughs> so it, it's it is crazy to me that they don't have more this rookie class, and luckily for them, this past week against a bad, bad, bad like what a terrible offense. <laughs> uh, I can't believe like watching yeah. the Patriots is disgusting, but. Your rookies played better, so that's great. But this has been historically awful as a draft class, right? You guys know this as well as I do. They've, they're getting nothing out of this class before the Forbes breakout this past week. So I say all that to tell you that I'm 100% ready to slam the gavel down that they can't do this. You know, you look at the free agent moves, William Jackson, Wentz, like their biggest swings, Fitzpatrick, some of it injury, some of it not, but it's not like signing an old guy doesn't, you know, normally that means he might get hurt. Um, you look at the guard position, how bad they've botched that with Norwell and pause for a uh, second. Crazy. Even, even David, look, David, I give, I want to give credit to AJ for a second because and whether or not they could have signed them is one, is one story, but 
they continually went back to the David Mayo well, the John Bostick well at linebacker. Yeah. When there was opportunities to even just invest or do some research on new younger guys who can right. probably plug some plays better, but they kept going back to that and said, we're going to stick with. And then Cody Barton. Like, yeah. I mean, the only good thing about that move is that it, it only costs like two and a half or three million, whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, like I always say this, people laugh at their draft this year. Draft crushed free agency this year, uh, if you actually look at it, which is sad. <laughs> and it's probably but, been but, the case since they got here. I mean, Grant, that, that is so bottom tier because even the draft picks yeah. haven't been able to play. Like, it's, oh, it's just been poor management. It's bad, but this is why if you're Harris and this ownership group, the, it's so easy to know that as a front office, it doesn't work. This is not working. The coach centric thing, I don't think works anyway. Like people point to Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Dude, Veach does a really good job. They have a GM. Look at New England. New England's always the example people will use for coach centric. Oh my God, I've never seen less talent. Like the four of us and seven other random dudes that you could just find right now uh, in the neighborhoods where we're broadcasting from have almost the amount of talent as the Patriots offense. It's ridiculous. I, I, like, how do you miss in the draft as much as they have? So I, I just, the, the front office thing, like the jury is not out anymore. It's over. They came back. The verdict is in. This group cannot do this. The question I think is more at head coach with Rivera and with a potential new GM and how that would work. Uh, but I think that's going to resolve itself and sort itself out. I just think when you spend $6 billion on something, you're looking for the best. And and we have sat around here for four years. You mentioned the talent like this deep in and where is it compared to where it should be? I mean, it, it it's the same thing. Like it, it's a, the line has gotten worse. You've turned the faders up and down at a couple spots, but they're, they're still not where they need to be. So yeah, you're not trusting them with these picks that you're adding. And you mentioned something that I hadn't thought of or, or necessarily said, which is, I mentioned all the skill spots on offense because I, I just prioritize offense, but defensive end is now their biggest need probably this off season. Like they need a pass rusher. Didn't really rear its head this week, but you guys saw like two Hill and Smith Williams, they'll do an okay job in their roles, whatever. But those guys are not going to be like, you know, getting eight, nine pressures in a game on PFF or something. So they're going to have to get someone who can get to the quarterback. So they just so do we, your job guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jack. So we bring up defensive end. You had a pretty interesting week last week where it led to Chase Young's father calling in the day before getting traded to San Francisco. How did that all play out? Uh, I mean, I didn't I didn't uh, watch the whole show or listen to the whole show. I listened. I listened what, to it. So y'all got me here. What what led what led to Chase's father feeling that he needed to call up to 1067 the fan? and get on the Grant and Danny show yeah. uh, in the afternoon? That's a good question. So <laughs> I can't answer that last question as to why. I can kind of assume. So um, what's funny is Chase has played way better ball. And if you're you're talking about, like, specific to our show or the coverage of him in town or with us or whatever, it's been way more positive this year than the last couple of years. He called up, and it's he was not upset. It didn't sound like with us as much as the general idea that Chase was had been a disappointment and or like I, it was unrelated to anything. We hadn't talked specifically about Chase in days. So my guess is it was the day before the deadline. 
There's been a lot of talk about whether they're going to trade Chase or not. We're taking calls within the days before that. Should they trade Chase? Will they trade Chase? So I think he's he probably listens. He's local. Um, he hears a lot of people who have a lot of strong opinions about his son, which can't be that fun. And uh, I think he was hearing not from the building, but like from yeah. you know the radio that people thought. Uh, I mean, the vast majority of our callers were endorsing and advocating trading Chase. So I think he just had heard enough or, or had enough of everyone having a take. And for people that didn't hear the interview, basically he called in. We we weren't sure if it was actually him at first because he's like, this is Chase Young's dad. And, you know, someone could be pranking you or whatever. So our guys behind the scenes had to like vet it a little bit, make sure it was him. It was. He came on the show. He couldn't have been more pleasant, really. I mean, he was very respectful and he seems like a great dude. Um and his, his basic point was, if you've never played in the NFL, or at least in college ball, then you shouldn't get to have an opinion on my son. Obviously, I never played in the NFL or college ball, so he's essentially coming to my place of work and telling me that I shouldn't be allowed to do what I do. I didn't take it personal as much, but that's quite literally what was happening. Um, but we had a good exchange, like, and he was very pleasant. I was, my, my thing is, like, um, you know, it was a tough spot in a, a little bit for me because, you know, I, A, I want to be as respectful as possible to him because Jet just that's how you treat people, number one. Plus, he's a, a parent of a player who we cover. But also, I can't get punked. On, you know, it's my own show. And, um, you know, you I did a good I, job I, balancing it, man. Yeah, you really yeah, did. Yeah, and you, I have you handled opinions, it pretty right? And, and it was on, it was, it was really Chase. at the top. I would have looked like a, I would have looked like a clown if, if he called in and I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. Chase is the best. Oh, thank you. For <laughs> you know? So like at the same time, there's going to be a little bit of a back and forth and, you know, hold your ground a little bit, but I, I want to commend him. Like he couldn't have been cooler. I got three kids. I got a, a baby boy. That's two years old. Like he seems like a great supportive father. I think he was just annoyed that people are, you know, giving his son grief. Um, and he said at the end of the call, like, I'm a I'm a dad more than I'm a fan. And I think that came out in the in interview. Right. Because there were what I didn't like is p some people did, were crushing some of his takes. Like he said, Chase is one of the best players. He said he's, you know, in the league, he said he's six, seven, not six, five, like just some different things. But like at the end of the day, like I thought it was a good exchange. It was definitely it came out of nowhere. I was surprised by it. But uh, I give him props like I, I, you know, I wouldn't want my dad to call in and argue on my behalf, probably. But. I wish that my, I hope my dad cares enough to want to do that on my behalf. I'll say. Yeah. I, I thought it was a, a pretty interesting situation. I, I said my theory, um, what day was it? I think maybe a day later. I was like, I think he, I think he may have, he may have been frustrated, but he was like, you know what? Let me call in one last time. Cause I, I know, I know my son gone. So let me go ahead and do let the, the people. In, you that's what I said. Let, let, let the trained. people. I, I think I so. Think he knew. I think he yeah. knew he was gone. He may have not known what team. I don't. I don't know. But he was like, "Let me call in. Let the people know. Like, hey, it wasn't my son. And y'all yeah. gonna know that where he, wherever he goes, y'all gonna know that it wasn't my son. That's a good and, point. And, because that he, was a lot of his argument. Right? Was like, right. Every play is not designed for Chase to be a boss. Like, he's not gonna get a sack on every play. That actually makes sense. If he was calling in to be like, y'all are saying he underperformed, but this was not just about him. 
But see, the issue too with Chase sometimes with the effort, you know, I mean, you you look at plays even if it's not designed for him to get a sack, he's still not going hundred percent if it's not something that's designed for him to go and wreck havoc. So I mean, that's the issue. But I I do agree with Maul. Uh, I think we have both kind of talked about that. I think he knew that you know Chase was getting traded. He may he may have knew what team he was going to, but he felt like this was the perfect time to do so because if Chase is gone, there's no distraction, right? If Chase is yeah. still here, you're talking about this all week. Like, oh man, yeah, Chase Young's dad called the radio show, you know. So he, he knew, you know. But yeah, hey, I mean, I think 20, 24 hours before the deadline, uh, just even personally knowing uh, Chase and, and Montez's representation, they prepared the player and the family for what could possibly happen. You, uh, you know, making a, a move from Washington all the way to the West Coast. That's something you definitely got to prepare the family for. Uh, the possible options of where he could go team-wise. Um, so I think that was his last hoorah. I was like, kind of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this four or five years, however long Chase has been watching this off my yeah. chest, because I've been quiet for a very long time. And we've seen what's, what's happened with ownership. And maybe even me as a father and, you know, having my son kind of be the face of this franchise, I also see that there's some flaws within the coaching staff but I'm not really going to – like like you said, Greg, he was very polite in how he handled yeah. the conversation with you. Yeah, it, I, I thought – But I felt I like he know. wanted to throw Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio under the bus, but he, yeah. didn't, he didn't fully commit to it all the way. Totally. Like, yeah, I thought it would be uh, – like when they told me, my producers like, got in my ear and they're like, Chase Young's dad is on hold. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you know, and they're like, yeah, he says it's – I'm like, make sure. Like, let's not – because my fear was I'm going to go and someone's going to like prank us and then we're going to find out after. But my thought was it was going to be acrimonious or he was going to be, you know, and, and he that that would be his prerogative. But uh, it was not like he was not uh, he wasn't calling anybody out. He didn't like throw Jack like you said. He didn't throw JDR and, and Rivera and, and, you know, it was very mostly respectful. I think he was just kind of saying like he is a better player than you guys think he is not me specific, but like the, the yeah. fan base. And and he, he kept coming back to, and I think his gripe is, and there's, look, I disagree with him on this, but there is an argument to be had that he's saying, if you haven't done what my son's doing, you don't really know what's going on, which is probably somewhat fair. Um, you can say that about a lot of people, by the way, if you've never but, been the president. But has Chase know. Young's father ever done it? <laughs> that's <laughs> well, that, that's fair. But, but I mean, but my point is like, I just don't like that. I, I've dealt with this most of my career. Occasion, like it's a strong it's man. A cheap thing. Shot. It's, it's, it's it, cheap shot. It's just cheap shot. Yeah, it's, it's just when, when players don't like what you're saying, that's the go-to sometimes. And uh, I, I just don't rock with it. Like Howie Roseman is the GM of the Eagles. Never played it down. Does a pretty damn good job building a football team. Joe Jackson Gibbs never played it down. I'll take his acumen. Sean McVay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Shawnee Mack was all Georgia now in high school. Oh, okay, okay, uh, high school. Okay, we'll take he, that. He played at Miami of Ohio, believe it or not, in college. I don't know how much, but he played a little bit. What's funny is he he beat out Calvin Johnson for all Mr. Georgia. I, heard, I remember that. Did I know that? That's crazy. But anyway, but I w- look. I wish Chase. Like to me, I wish Chase well, and I'm sure it, for his dad, it had to be brutal to hear a lot of. Because there are a lot of people who say dumb things, let's be honest. And, and like, keep your mouth shut for so, such a long time. Totally. That's why I never thought 
you guys, I mean, we've suggested behind the scenes and we wondered, like, could it have been that he knew? But you're making a good point when you say, like, he never once called in for all those years. And then the first time he calls in is the day before he gets traded. And what AJ said is interesting, too, which is like, I I, um, I think it was AJ, whoever said, um, like, it would have been a distraction, right? Yeah, Dre. It, it wasn't a distraction. Maybe it was you, Dre. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I haven't thought a lot about why he did it, but. It had to be hard for Chase too, like being at home. I just he needed a reset. I don't think he'll stay in San Fran, but maybe he can go ball out and get get some money. But, but see, Grant, uh, I, you know, being a basketball fan too, I'm like, maybe it is hard to be a hometown hero. Maybe that's why KD never wanted to play for the Wizards, <laughs> you know, because it's exactly. got to be kind of hard when you can't, you know, live up to those expectations, especially with Chase. I mean, he had his sophomore year, which was he was a jag in his sophomore year. Let's be honest. But then he had the injuries that he wasn't kind of he couldn't go out there and show you who he really right. wanted to show you who he was. And then those the comments you're going to hear everything. His family's going to hear everything because everyone's here. So you, it, it's got to be a lot of pressure when you can't live up to those expectations. And I think, like I said last week, I think the trade was good for all parties. I think it's, you know, whether if Chase goes out there and ball, I'm not going to be mad and say, oh, well, you know, we ruined them or he couldn't do it here. I mean, it's just different circumstances, a nuanced conversation, and I just think it, it, the change of scenery help is helpful for everyone involved in the trade. Totally agree with you. Hey, hey Dre, great. I actually, that, that's a great point that you bring up about KD. I mean, that's exactly why he never came home to, to play here and really doesn't even spend that much time here in the offseason because yeah, it's just <laughs> a lot of backlash, and that's what makes me concerned about what this new regime and, and staff could possibly do if they want to be aggressive enough and move up and go get Caleb Williams, another homegrown kid. Can you imagine? We just seen what happened with Chase Young. Can you imagine if Caleb has to come here and play quarterback and doesn't live up to the expectations, the the kind of conversation behind that? And we also seen it. What if know, he cries in his mom's arms after a loss? <laughs> Hey, I want to know what y'all thought about that because we haven't talked about it on the show. But I saw like Robert uh, Griffin was arguing with um, Robert Mathis, maybe a lot of people. Do you guys think it's a big deal that he did that? I don't think him crying was a big deal. I think that's passion and, and like pure competitiveness, like coming out of him. Like that's 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 perfectly fine. I had an issue with his comments after the game, talking about he just wanted to cuddle with his dog. Like that has nothing to do. With <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I thought I when I that. saw that on Sports Center, bro, I thought it was I thought it was a troll account. It was a it was Sports Center who said that, and he said that. I was like, bro, I can't believe he said that. So right. him crying, I respect it. Like, pull put your heart on your sleeve, bro. Like, if you feel yeah. some type of way and you frustrated, do that. But like, stick to the game. If, if I don't know what the question was, but it's like I'm frustrated that we didn't win or. I, I'm trying, but I'm not doing good enough. Or um, I just want to win. Like something that sticks to the yeah. game, but not no cuddling with your dog, bro. Like nobody, you you got so many eyes on you. Come on. Yeah, like, I thought I th I thought that was fake yeah. too. I didn't have any problem. To me, like we want all these players to be real. We want them to you know be genuine, and um, you know you you want to like look at all the TV shows with Netflix and all this stuff. Now we want these inside looks into their lives. And then we see this kid, and he's young, right? I don't know. How old is Caleb? 21, 22? 
around but, there, 21, 22. I mean, so he's crying on his mom's shoulder. Now, most of the people that are crushing him from what I've read, it's not that he cried. It's, I guess, that he was, like, with his parents instead of with his team or something. I think all that's crazy. Like, I, I had no problem with it. Um, but, man, these dudes are on such a microscope. And I get it. They're making money now. And, and you know, the college football is, like, the number two sport behind the NFL. But when you're you're his age, you lose a game, you cry, and it's, like, the number one story. I, I felt bad for the kid. I'm like, but see, damn. And, and that's the microscope that in he would be on that microscope here, obviously. I mean, it's the NFL is a bigger scale, but I mean, I, I, I take an issue. Like, I don't know, Grant, if you watch Last Chance You, I know me and Maul are big. Last oh, Chance it's my favorite, it's my favorite yes. show. <laughs> We're big fans, but Jason Brown, Coach Jason Brown, who actually was oh. hilarious on the show, I saw He's his hilarious tweet. on Twitter. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he completely ripped Caleb Williams he after did. that. He was all oh, he's so so. I mean, he called him every kind of archaic, um, you know, football insult you can call a guy. Wow. And I don't agree with that. I mean, you know, to say a guy saw because he went and cried to his mom. I mean, you could say, hey, you should be with his team and everything, but to say he's soft and he's crying and he shouldn't do this and football has no place for that. The guy can still go out there and dice you up. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, exactly. if he go cry in his mom's arms and his stands, he still can come out next week and give you five touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? So that doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's a lot of dudes that have never cried to their mom that can't play dead in a Western. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, Jay Cutler. Right. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. That dude, Jason Brown, we're on a tangent, but that show, which they kind of ruined toward the end. Now they go in basketball, which I like. Basketball, okay. Yeah. yeah. I said he's doing a good done, job, like, dude. Uh, I don't remember. Cali. The Ooh. first dude was terrible. That guy, Buddy. Uh, you remember? Uh, uh, Buddy I, I know he's talking about the first two seasons. Yeah. Um, at uh, Missouri. Oh yes, yes. No, was was it? It was Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, it was, was in. Um, okay. Was his name was Buddy something, but I thought that guy sucked. Uh, yeah. I can't remember his yeah, name. I'm, I'm drawing a blank too. I, I just need the new season to come out. I need me a new. season. Are they doing another oh, yeah. one? I don't know. I mean, like I said, they've done the basketball. I don't know yeah. if they're coming back with the football or anything. I love like the basketball football. coach. Me too. Me too. Oh, he's, he's a hell of a motivator. I, I, love, I love his whole staff. That's the crazy thing. No, yeah. he, especially as assistant coach Rob. I love that dude, man. He left. He went. He's, <laughs> yeah. a, he's a head coach. He got his own team. Yeah, he got his own mm-hmm. team. Yeah, I was yeah. looking him up a couple months back to see how they did his first year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Last Chance U is one of my favorites. Pretty much any, any of those documentary Netflix shows, I'm all in. Yeah. Hey, Grant, man, you, you stayed longer than expected, and we definitely appreciate every second of this conversation. I just want to give you the floor before we get before we all get up out of here. Just let, let the people know what, what you got oh, going on, anything hey, and everything. Can we, can we ask Grant a final question before I, I, I gotta here? I gotta I gotta go? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just a yes or no. It's just yeah. a yes or no. What you got? Do you think Sam Howell is a franchise quarterback? Ooh. That's more than yes or no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, he, he, just, he just explained it. Go ahead, go ahead. You take, take your time. Take, take your time. We can. Yeah. We'll I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes, right? I will say um, – I don't think you can answer that right now, but I will say he has a chance to be, absolutely. Um, right now, if I had to answer this moment, like I've given him the contract or I'm not, I guess I would say no. But I think he's got a shot to be for sure. And I am like pro – how uh, if, if there's such a thing as two camps like he looks like the guy or he doesn't i guess i'm he looks like the guy guy but i i can't say yes yet the sacks thing is real boom um grant get you got the floor like i said man anything and everything that you got going on where they can find you 
uh, yeah, man. Um, commentary, this, all that stuff. Yeah, the show every day from 2 to 6.30 on 106.7 The Fan. I'm on Twitter, uh, Instagram. I'm not particularly good on Instagram. It's mostly like, uh, <laughs> you know, pictures of uh, my kids or food or dogs or something. But, um, yeah, you, you can check me out there, Grant H. Paulson, and uh, that's about it. And let's go Hoyas. And let's go Hoyas. <laughs> I would say it's, would say it's y'all <laughs> time now. <laughs> All right, Dre, Dre uh, Grant, y'all about to, I know y'all, y'all on the same page. AJ, I guess we got to find a college team to watch, bro. <laughs> that's it yeah, for us man we're gonna be I, back thursday i will to be watching again. paint on the wall dry before i watch oh. college basketball <laughs> well, i don't envy you right now aj <laughs> aj got his curse man you know what i'm saying we're gonna leave it at that's that. right that's gonna that's gonna be that's gonna wrap it up for us we'll be back thursday preview the seahawks game that's it oh yeah Drake got a head start grant <laughs> all right boys y'all take care see you guys thank you i appreciate you coming on bro. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it off. You gon' let him hit the hole, or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long, or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive.